Let's go to 2 Timothy. We are in the book of Timothy. And literally, I've been breaking down the book of Timothy. And there's no greater way than to understand the word is just to take time and to break down some scriptures. And so we're going to get into some word. We're going to get into some scriptures that are going to help us um, and to hold on. Amen. There is something profound when Paul, who is in prison, is telling um, Timothy, who is free, who is a pastor in the Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, he's there, he's functioning, and he's been encouraged by somebody who's in prison. And so, it, to me, that's unique. Uh, to me, that goes to show a lot that uh, you can lock someone up, but you can't lock the word up. Come on, you, you, can, you can chain the body, but you can't chain the word. And we're going to talk about that. And it's how, that's how he says that. And so, and how he'd been chained for many times in prison, but he didn't chain the word. Amen. So even Peter, when Peter was locked up, over 42 people got saved in prison. Because why? Because you can, you can, you can chain an individual. You can try to push somebody away. You can try to block somebody, but you can't block or push away the gospel. Come on, the word is the word. Amen. The word is the word. The word has life. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's start with verse 1. When you have it, say amen. Verse 1 says this, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Let me give you another one. No one engaged in warfare entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And as if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you for your people that are watching us and that are here, those that are hearing us throughout the world, through all the different places. God, we pray you touch them in their homes. And we ask you, God, that you continue moving, God, within the hearts of your people, Father. And we pray you allow the word to break everything in us, God. And we thank you and we honor you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You, you know, you got to understand that when the devil tries to do something, God does something even greater. Look at, you see that the enemy trying to ch ch uh, uh, shut down all the churches and the gospel got even further. Listen, right now, as our church right now, we have people in the United States listening, in Mexico, in Ireland, in the Philippines, in United Kingdom, in Norway, in Romania. Those, those are the continents. We got people right now in San Bernardino, Riverside, Fontana, uh, New Mexico, Mexico City, Rubido, Moreno Valley, Merced, Colombia, Colombia, Ohio, Rancho Mirage, Corona, um, Missouri, Hesperia, Oregon, Los Angeles, Dubai, Paris, uh, uh, come on, all those families, San Diego, um, Melina, Texas, Washington, um, Fresno, Ojai, Michigan, Mexico, England, Nevada, St. Louis, uh, um, Indio, 
um, England, Colorado, and the list goes on. You got to understand that when there is a pushback, when there is a pushback, God always going to get glory. Come on, you guys going to get glory. And, and you got to remember that, and that's what I'm going to get into today. This is why I want to break down these scriptures, is because we forget. And so every time I see something coming throughout the Bible, if you know a history, throughout every time something bad happens, something good follows right behind it. Come on, every time the enemy tried to destroy something, God used that and caused multiplication, breakthrough, promises. And so I'm telling you right now, hold on to your promise. You might have shattered your marriage. You might have shattered your relationship. You might have shattered yourself. But God said, hold on, because I'm bringing back everything to a wholeness, to a fullness. And so hold on. Someone say, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Timothy. Hold on, Timothy. He says these words in verse 1. He says you, and he's making it direct. He direct, and, and not only to direct it, but he says, therefore, my son. So it's, it's, it's a double you and my son. You as an individual, you as a believer, you as a, a, a leader, you as a, 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 a son of God. He goes, but also you as a spiritual son. So he hits them both ways. He says, okay, here's your relationship you have with God, but then here's the relationship you have with me. You, 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 got, you got to see the picture. And this is the picture that he's laying out to him. And so he says, yeah, we know you're a son of God, but you're also my spiritual son. And he tells him these things. He says, be strong. Now, the word strong means this, able to withstand great force and pressure. Strong in the Greek means power, means ability, uh, uh, um, and so he says, he says, you're going to have to gain your power and your ability to withstand the forces and the pressures. And you are my son and you know what I have put inside you. I'm in prison. I've been persecuted. I've been, I've been forced to, into pressure. All this stuff has happened on me. If I can do it, you can do it. Mm, mm. And so he's laying this to him and he's telling him, he says to be strong, to be able to withstand grace force and pressure, he goes, in the grace. Grace. Now, we know what grace means, immediate favor, but all the grace means this undeserved mercy. Undeserved mercy or favor from God. I want you to be strong in something you don't deserve. Wow. God is saying, church, be strong in something you don't deserve. Now, remember, we all need grace. I don't know, we all need grace. But how many know that grace is needed more when you're in sin? Oh, is it Romans? I think it's Romans 5.20. Romans 5. Let's go to, I want to read Romans 5.20 real quick. Romans 5.20 says this. 5.20 says this. Here we go. Moreover, the law entered that offers mighty bound. But where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. <laughs> when, 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 when you're in sin and when you are messing around, the grace of God is there. 
the grace of God is there. And he's telling Timothy, Timothy, something might be going on in your life. So you're going to have to get your strength from the grace. If there is sin in your life, Timothy, there is grace there. And if there is a lot of sin, there's a lot of grace. Some of us, we don't deserve our families. Some of us, we don't deserve a second chance or a third chance. Some of us don't deserve our children respecting us. But by the grace of God, there are. Oh, you don't hear me though. Grace works with the Spirit of God. Now, when you're in sin and when you start messing around and you do something dumb and you feel convicted, then guess what? The Spirit of God is working on you. The grace of God is working on you. The mercy of God is working on you. But if you're doing something dumb and you don't feel guilty about it, God forbid. Then you're giving yourself over to a lot of other things. But if you still feel convicted, you're feeling bad, and you're feeling, not because you got caught, but because you did it. Because everybody feels bad when you get caught. But you feel bad even when no one knows. Then the Spirit of God is working on you. There's, there's still a fight. Oh, my. There's, a, there's still a chance for us. There's still a chance for us. But when you grow cold and you stop caring, then that's when it gets dangerous. That's when you start getting into a reprobate mind the Bible talks about. That's when you start blaspheming and all that falls in place. But if there is still conviction in you, then there is still hope for us. Come on, somebody. There is still hope for us. And so he's telling Timothy, Timothy, is there still conviction in you? Because he's about to get into some stuff. Because he says these words next. He says, I want you to grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's, there's the grace of man, but then there's the grace of God. There's grace of man. That means when God, when man is graceful with you and he's, he's cool with you and he's okay. But that is limited. The grace of God, come on, so the grace of God is not limited. He's like, oh my God, oh my God, until you finally push away from it and you don't want it, that's on you. So someone say, hold on. He says these words in verse two. And the things that you have heard. Wow. He says, grow strong in the grace and the things which you have heard from me. What is he talking about? He's talking about the plan of salvation. He's talking about the plan of redemption. The plan of reconciliation. The redemption. The justification. All the things that he put inside him. He's talking about all the teaching. And all the discipleship. All the counseling. All the cutting away. That's what he's telling Timothy. Paul's telling Timothy this. He says, the thing which you've heard among many witnesses, among your other peers, among all the other disciples that were there. You heard me and you've seen me put, put, pour in you and, and, and begin to uh, uh, help you and begin to cause you to grow and cut away the timidness in you. You got to remember, Paul was a soldier. He was a soldier. He wasn't saying please and thank you. He wasn't trying to be concerned. Will you show me where in the Bible does it say please and thank you? 
Please, somebody show me where Jesus says, please. And show me where Jesus says, thank you. I'm not saying he was ungrateful. But sometimes we live in a world today that we want to be patted in the back for everything. Now, don't get me wrong. You, you got kids now, they get, a, they get a price for losing. Come on, you lost. Oh, great, great. You're, you get 50, you're like, come on. Raising a generation of kids that don't know how to be good sports no more. Good sportsmanship. Oh, Pastor, that's me. No, it's not me, but come on. Uh. And the things that you have heard, the things that you have heard among witnesses from me, look at the second, look at this is the part. Commit these to faithful men. Wow. Wow. That's the key right there. Someone say faithful men. Faithful men. Faithful men. Commit these to faithful men. Now, now if you want to look up the list of faithful men, it's in Timothy. And um, for the sake of time, I don't think I want to read it all. But in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's the list. The qualifications of a faithful man. Qualifications, uh, um, you can see that and it hits the women and the men. It says likewise women too. And so he, he break it down. When you get a chance to read it, it's, it's, it'll, you'll love it. Uh, um, it'll hit you. And, and now your qualifications, man, of, of a deacon and the qualifications of a leader, of a faithful manager. First Timothy chapter one, chapter three, love it. Amen. So here he goes. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, this is what he's saying. Timothy, I taught you. Come here, Bobby. Come here, Bobby. If you're hot, you know I'm hot because I got a thousand lights on me. No, down here. Go down here, Bobby. I don't want to see you that close. <laughs> now... Where's Hezekiah? Hezekiah, come here, Hezekiah. Come here, Hezekiah. Stand right here next to him. All you dark guys look alike. <laughs> go on that side, go on that side of me. Let's go a little bit, over a little bit more. Let's go a little bit more that way. A little bit more, about right there, okay. This is the thing. He's saying, here I'm Paul. Here's Timothy. Paul's saying, I want you to know that everything I got, I'm pouring it into you. Now you need to pour into others. You need to pour the faithfulness and the importation into the next generation. And the reason why he's telling them this, because he don't want what he's taught to be diluted nor polluted. And we have a way, church, of people missing this spot here. They change what was put in them. And now it's Pete Timothy, or let's say, what's your name again? Bobby. Bobo. <laughs> Thursday, Wednesday, when he preached, I called him Bobo. I was trying to say Bobby, I said Bobo. So now it's Placaso Bobo. And so, so, so I put this into him, and he catches 80, 90% of what I'm teaching him. 
And he's telling Timothy, he says, I don't want you to ruin the importation from you to the next generation. But there is. Because Bobby didn't like what I was doing with him. Bobby never said it, but Bobby sure felt it. And he thought I was too harsh and too rough and too much. So then when it's his turn to part it into the next generation, now we got Hezekiah here who only has 40% of what I was taught. And so now he's not going to like what Bobby put in him. So now when he teaches the next generation, come here, little man, come here. Come on. Is that next to him, Bubba? Now his part into him has been diluted. Now he's getting 20%. And he's supposed to run with that. And he's supposed to be a good soldier with that. And he's supposed to be man up with that. And he's supposed to be, uh, uh, listen to it. We're going to get into some stuff. And he's saying this for a reason. And this is what happens throughout generations, generations, even throughout history with Israel. First one fights like hell to get the freedom. Next one don't really keep the standards up. The next generation loses it. The third generation usually loses everything. In time for the fourth generation, it's already diluted, polluted, and that's what Paul was telling Timothy, don't dilute. Give it to faithful men. So faithful men, what part to faithful men and to faithful men. And you got to watch yourself and hold on to the grace of God. And be strong and know what you have heard him from. He says, you didn't hear from, from down the street. You, didn't hear, you heard it from me. Amarrate. There was a, one of my home directors years ago. He got mad because I called him a crackhead. I said, dude, who are you? A crackhead. But you're a crackhead. He's like, oh, you get mad at it. So we have to protect ourselves. We have to hold on. Someone say, hold on, Timothy. Hold on, Timothy. Hold on, hold on. He says, be strong. He says, so commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Bam, 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 bam. Continue going and growing, going and growing, going and growing. Thank you, guys. Give the Lord a great clap offering. Amen. Thank you, guys. So he's, 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 he's saying these things because he's about, remember, this is his last letter. He's in prison. He's, a, he's pouring to Timothy. He's pouring to Timothy to hold on, to hold on. So say, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Look at verse 3. He says, you therefore must, oh, Jesus, you therefore must endure. Someone say must. Must, must. must. Must, there's no choice. It's a must, it's a demand. He says, you therefore must endure a hardship. He's telling them from a prison perspective, 
from losing everything perspective, that you must endure. Someone say endure. Endure hardships. You know what hardships are? Some hardships. Break that word down. Very simple. Some hard stuff. He didn't say easy. Can he say manageable? He didn't say just, you know, uh, uh, lightly or lightly afflicted. He said some hard stuff. So when you're going through some hard stuff, be a good soldier. Come on, be a good soldier. Now, now listen, he's talking to him as a soldier, a soldier perspective. He was a Roman soldier, Roman general, Roman commander. He, he's speaking to him in, in the term that he can understand. And he's telling him these things. He says, you need to endure. Don't you dare tell me you're a good soldier if you can't endure. You might be a soldier, but you ain't a good soldier. People go to the army, to the navy, to all that place, and they go and they become a soldier. But a lot of them take off and run, and now the MPs after them. Now they're in violation. They're a soldier, but they're not a what? Good soldier. I can be a Christian, but am I a good Christian? I can be a leader, but am I a good leader? I can be a husband, but am I a good husband? I can be a wife, but am I a good wife? I can be a child, but can I be a good child? I can be a teenager, that's good and bad. That's just, they, they, they're good. Either way, they're good. <laughs> Psychos, pray for them. Oh, Jesus. I tell people, my kids ain't perfect, but at least I know what I got. Lord, have mercy. At least I know what I'm dealing with. I'm going to find out later on. I'm like, okay, help me. I can grow into this, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. There we go. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to read this next one because I'm going to tie them both in together. He says, no one engages in warfare, in verse 4, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Now, the Roman soldiers did not have the pleasure of getting married. They couldn't have spouses. They couldn't have businesses. They, they not, they, a lot of them were, were, were captive. A lot of them were enlisted. They were pulled from their homes. They were enlisted into the army. They were enlisted into the Roman, Roman, uh, Roman Empire. And a lot of them, they, they know what it was to march long, suffer long. They knew what it was to be in the weather, the cold. They knew what it was to just go through hell. And they did it for the Roman Empire. They did it to satisfy the Roman Empire. And they did this. Many died. Uh, they went through a lot. And, and so, so listen to what I'm saying. Paul is telling him this. He's looking, man, don't get caught up with the affairs of this world. If you get caught up so much that you lose yourself, you're going to lose the principle that I'm teaching you. Now, he's not saying don't get married. He's not saying don't, don't have a business. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that when the, that becomes a priority more than God, something went wrong. Because God should be first. 
and everything becomes easy. But people, people right away start to fend for themselves. And so in trying to keep their family, they lose their family. In trying to keep children, they lose their children. That's why Jesus says, unless you hate your mother, your father. Now that word hate in Greek means this, to love them less. Not to literally hate, I despise you. No, that's not what he means. He means to love them less. That means to love me more and love them less. He says, because if you love me more, you will always take care of them and honor them and love on them. But if you love, if you love them more than me, then you're going to dishonor me. And when you begin to dishonor me, you're going to dishonor them. So we have to understand. That's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Come on, somebody. So we have to remember these things. That's what he sounded telling him. Look, you enlisted in an army. When I got saved, they told me, they told me that we were into a spiritual warfare. I'm like, God, I just got out of a battle. Now another battle? But when I got saved, they told me these things. And when I first got saved and I get my life, I begin to learn these things that I'm, in a, I'm a soldier. I begin to learn these things that I'm in the army. I begin to learn these things that you're going to have to endure. I begin to learn these things you're going to have to hold on. I begin to learn these things that you, you, you want to you succeed in life, do the will of God. I had to learn and hold on to things. I remember these things that would hold me together. That kept me going when I didn't want to go forward. When I wanted to get caught up with the affairs of the world. When I wanted to get caught up with all the, everybody else is, everybody else is doing whatever they want, kumbaya, and they would come to church, and, oh, with no cares. And I would be at the church doing, man, working hard, and working hard, and sweat on my brow, and oh my God, and this is like, Lord. And everybody come in like nothing, oh, hey, edgy, I'm like, edgy, nothing. I've just been vacuuming and cleaning and fixing the chairs and getting everything ready, get the Sunday school, the sound. And you guys walk in like, oh, it's good to be here. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and they would leave after Sunday service like this, and we would have two services. They would leave, and I was the only one staying here. I used to see that room like in the back. Right there? I lived in a room just like that in the back. And I was, lived in the room. In the, I lived in the church for about three years. Lived in the church about three years in the church. A lot of people don't even know that. I lived in the church. For three years, no shower, no nothing. I would go take showers at people's houses, and I would take showers in the sinks. I have one bag, one bag, gross, one bag, just say it was clothes. One little fan. That's why I stayed with the fan for the last 25 years. I had one fan. That's why I missed myself up. And one fan in my room, no TV, no nothing. Everybody would go home after Sunday service, and I would be cleaning the church and getting it ready for the, night, for the second service. And everybody show up, and I'd be like, oh, I can't stand these people. They're walking in with the full of the joy of the Lord. I'm like, you're going to miss this church up. And then when you leave, I'm going to have to clean it. And there's going to be gum on the chairs. And there's going to be your kids' food on the floor. But praise the Lord. Get to be a good soldier. Come on, get to be a good soldier. Then I was in the men's zone for six years. I lived in the men's zone for six years. Had to be a good soldier. Up at 5 o'clock in the morning, down by 12. I got to be a good soldier. <laughs> then I got married. I got to be a good husband. Even when I was going through my own madness, got to be a good husband. Got to think of my wife. Got to think of that. I said, having kids. Got to be a good father. Oh, my God. 
You're going to have to endure hardships. See, making you a good soldier makes you a good father. Making you a good soldier makes you a good mother. Making you a good soldier makes you a great disciple. Come on, and great in everything that you do. You can never be a great leader if you don't know how to follow. What makes a great leader? A great follower. If you learn how to follow great, you'll always be a great leader. But if you don't know how to follow, you'll be a lousy leader. You will have a position, but no power. And nobody will be following you. And when you look back after you've been leading, all you did is take a good walk because nobody's following you. But you can tell a good leader by what's behind him. Not what's in front of him, but what's behind him. So Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, what's behind you? Timothy, are you being a good, you need to be a good soldier, man. You need to hold on. Don't get caught up. Because everybody around Timothy started getting perverted and started getting per per perverse and started getting into their own thing and their own way of stuff. A lot of pastors, a lot of leaders, a lot of his peers. And so they started saying selling stuff to him. I've heard some of the most stupidity stuff. Sorry I said that word, but some of the dumb stuff, sorry. But I've heard. Edgy, don't you want to have a life? I'm like, yeah. I got a life already. This is my life. Edgy, don't you want to do this? I go, but I'm already doing what God called me to do. Edgy, I hear stuff and stuff and stuff and I'm like, you know what? I'm done hearing it. See, they were trying to pull Timothy out of doing what he was supposed to be doing. And you have to watch because the enemy will try to pull you out before you hit your destiny. Oh, how many ever seen, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little picture and it shows a guy and he's like one step away from digging and hitting diamonds. And he gives up. Right at the time, he needed to hit it one more time. And he would have hit it, but he leaves, and someone else comes and hits it. Boom, oh, wow. I hit a gold mine. There's, there's a book called uh, uh, Fields of Diamonds, and it's a true story. And it's, it's a guy who, who was fielding, uh, uh, tending the floor, tending. My wife bought me the book. It's, from, it's a good book. You get a chance to read it. It's from um, Jensen Franklin, Fields of Diamonds, something like that. And... Uh, Talking about how, how this guy had his family, and he was digging and digging and digging, and when he was digging, he was, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember it too much, he was finding big old rocks, black rocks, and he was throwing them to the site, he was mad, because this ground could not produce nothing. So he was getting mad, and some guy comes and tells him, hey man, there's over there in India, or somewhere out there in Africa, they have diamonds, and, 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 and they're, they're like, you can dip your hand in the water, you're pulling them out like crazy, and and uh, so he goes and he tells his wife and everything, I'm going to go. So he takes off and he sells all his property, all his, everything that he got. He sells it and, and while he's out there looking and looking for the diamonds and everything to make a better, to make a better relationship, to make a better for his family, make better for everything he has. And he ends up dying out there. He ends up dying. And so the family now lost, lost their loved one. The dad, dad's dead and, and um, 
that, that, uh, uh, that field that gets sold and the guys work in the field and he gets one of these nice stones because when the light hits, it looks really nice. And he puts that stone on, uh, on his fireplace and a priest, one of the priests comes over just to welcome him to the town and city and, and, and he opens the door and he sees the, he sees the, the thing on there. He says, hey man, he says, do you know what you got there? He said, no, no, it's just, I mean, there's tons and tons of rock out there like that, and it's just hard. He says, you have, that's an uncut diamond. That's an uncut diamond. They took it, and that diamond was worth, uh, I don't know, millions of dollars, thousands, thousands of dollars, excuse me. That field was pure a field of diamonds. He didn't even know what he had. Sometimes we don't know what we have. We don't know what we have until it's gone. That place is well known for where they get one of the most precious diamonds in the world of today. And so I'm saying a lot of us, we need to hold on because that will be, that's the best woman you'll ever have. That's the best man you'll ever have. That's the best life you'll ever have. Some say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So he's telling Timothy, hold on, mm. that you may please him who enlisted you as a soldier. Paul's saying, Timothy, you've been enlisted by God. Don't get so caught up that you forget to please God. Don't get caught up with this world that you forget to please God. I think that's what happens to a lot of us. I'm not going to get too much into it. I think I'm going to finish up right here. The thing that happens to a lot of us is that we get caught up and, and, and we love our spouses and we love our children and we love them that sometimes we get caught up and we forget to be God pleasers and we forget to really please God that we start fending for things and we try hard so we start working and we work hard and we work overtime and working so hard that we never spend time with our families. And then we start getting so caught up that we start, we start forgetting well, the purpose why we started working or the purpose why we got married, the purpose why we had children. And we forget that we wanted to have a better life. We didn't want to end up like our parents or maybe we had great parents, praise God, but sometimes some of us didn't always have good parents or something went wrong in life. And so sometimes we end up repeating that again. And so not at that extent or some way to a worse extent. And so God has said, look, at, the only way you're going to break curses and break things is that you have to know that I've enlisted you into this army. Please me, and I'll take care of your family. Come on, somebody. Please me, and I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you need to please your children, to please your spouses, to please your family and your loved one. But we have to come to a place that we don't let our own will overthrow God's will in your life. And that's what he's telling Timothy. Timothy, I'm locked up. I'm hearing things. These two other guys, these two other fools left me. All of Asia left me. And you too, Timothy. That's what he's trying to tell them. You too, my son. You too. Don't get weird. Don't, don't allow all this stuff to mess you up. Remember, you are a son of God, but you're also my son. So the same way God deals with you, I'm dealing with you. That's what he's trying to get to you. You're in an army. Be a good soldier. 
Who doesn't want to be better for their family? I, I want to be better for my family. I want to be better for my spouse. I want to be better for my children. I want to be better for you guys. So being better for them is I have to keep this alive. I have to keep my relationship with God. I can't, I can't mess with the plan of salvation. I, I can't dilute the plan of redemption. I can't, I can't pervert redemption and, and, and re, uh, reconciliation. I, I can't. I just can't. I have to keep it pure. I have to keep it holy. I have to keep it right. I want us to all stand. I want us to all stand.
And sometimes we think there's things that are, God, uh, if I only, God says, God says, just stop. Just take right now where you're at. Come on, take the place where you're at right now in life. Where are you at right now in life? Maybe you, you, you experience a, 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 a horrible divorce. Maybe you experience a, a breakup. Maybe you experience that. Maybe you experience something that made no sense. And you're like, man, I'm shattered. God says, no, you're good and you're shattered. But hold that moment in your life now. And know that you're engaged in this army. And know that you don't get caught up with the fears of this world. But be a good soldier. Embrace that moment and hold on. Because it's going to get better. It's going to work out. Peace is going to come. Strength is going to come. But hold on. Don't let where you're at right now feel like how on earth. Just regroup yourself. Maybe you can't change what's happening, but you can change your perspective on it. Pastor, I, I, I have no control. Good. But change your perspective on it. Look at it different. Look at it different. Look at your life different right now. Look at it different. And that's what's going to help you to hold on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, Father.
We rebuke the devourer. We rebuke the devourer. We rebuke it now, God. We rebuke him from us, oh God. We rebuke him. We rebuke him now, God, that he won't have any foothold in us. That we would rise up, Father. We would rise up, oh God, knowing who we are. That we wouldn't allow our self-will to come in and take over. That we would allow the will of God to continue to push us forward. Lord, that we will hold on to your word. It's like a lamp unto our feet, oh God. When times get dark, oh God, that we can open your word and it will show us and guide us and lead us in the dark times of our lives. The same way you guided Timothy and you gave him words and encouraged him and showed him in the dark times of his life when other voices started getting louder and louder and louder and louder, your voice was clear and cut and penetrated the other voices. Oh God, let us stay sensitive to you. Let us stay sensitive to you. I'm holding on right now that my future is going to get brighter.